welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Steve Asawa begins our series on Lessons from Life Stories, looking at the life of Abel. And now, here's Steve. Good morning. Thank you, David and Vicki. This morning we'll be starting a new series in which you'll be looking at some of the lesser-known characters in the Bible. The speaker's task will be to determine why they're important enough to include in the Bible, what was the significance of their story in biblical times, and why it should be important to us today. We have an eclectic list of characters that we'll be looking at. Some may seem very familiar. We have an eclectic list of characters that we're going to be looking at. Some may seem very familiar. Some you may have skimmed over when you're reading the Bibles and really didn't notice them. Like they're like the ones who make a guest appearance on a TV series or a Netflix series. You see them once or twice and then you might not see them again for a while, if at all. For example, I think most will remember hearing about Gideon or Samson. Sometimes they're like those extras, right, in the movies. But how many remember who Deborah was? Or Jethro? Make no mistake, though, even those who have only a seemingly small part are included in the Bible for a reason. So we'll be looking at men, women, young, old, some who seem to trust God at all times, and some whose trust uh, seem to waver at different times. As we look at these individuals, we might see some traits that we admire. Perhaps we're going to see some traits that we don't think are so good. And maybe some of these things will remind us of ourselves. The intent, though, is to see what aspects God would like to see in our lives in order to draw him closer to him. This morning we're going to be looking at the life of Abel. We first read about him in the book of Genesis, right at the very beginning of the Bible. And we're also going to touch on some other passages uh, elsewhere in the Bible in the New Testament. I'm going to suggest to you that he's included in the Bible for a few reasons. Abel and his brother Cain were the first to make offerings to the Lord. Abel was commended for being righteous by Jesus, and he's included in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews. His offering was a type or a shadow of the great sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. But before we get into that, let's just open with a word of prayer, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we just pause and just marvel that the God who created the heavens and the universe, the God who created everything we see and don't see, what a huge and awesome God, created ones like us, and you loved us so much that you sent us your Son. Father, that's just so amazing. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather. We thank you for your word that we have, that we can open up. 
And as we sung, Lord, we've come with open hearts and let the ancient words impart, Father. So as we just dig into your word, help us, Father, just to be open to what you want us to learn and apply. And may you, in turn, receive the glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, the first mention of Abel is found in Genesis in chapter 4. The first part that I'll be looking at is verses 1 to 10. And the passages I'm going to use this morning are from the English Standard Version. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Now, some people would want us to believe that this account in Genesis is just a few things. One, it's just a nice story. That, you know, it just reflects the fights and the battles that have been gone on over the years between those who work the ground and those who look after the flocks. And we know uh, it's about fighting over their scarce resources, isn't it? And even in James 4, 1 to 3, says, we read, What causes those quarrels and fights? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Another thing that people would try and tell you about this passage, it says, it shows that people had to provide offerings and sacrifices to appease all the gods. And by offering these things, the gods would be happy with them. They would protect them. They would provide for them and generally look after them. And people would also say, well, you know, this just shows that God isn't fair. He plays favorites. So what do we really know about this? Well, let's start with the easy ones. We know that Abel's parents were Adam and Eve. We know he had an older brother named Cain. Now, we aren't sure, though, how far, how far apart they were in age. Uh, some think that they're actually twins, with Cain being the older. Sorry, by a few minutes. Abel, or Hebel, 
is translated as a breath or a vapor. It's also been translated as vanity. All these words would refer to something that's temporary, that's short-lived or transitory. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. The psalmist noted something like this in Psalm 39.5. He's just reflecting on how short life is. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath or mere able adult. We know that they both make an offering to the Lord and the offering is based on their occupations. And I should note that I don't think they just made an offering to any small G God. Not one of the gods out there that they had to appease. I think it's safe to imply that they had been given instructions on how to make these offerings and likely from Adam, and that would have been to the one true God. We don't read about the specific requirements God established for offerings and sacrifices for many years later, though. For example, in Deuteronomy 15, we read, All the firstborn males that are born of your herd and flock you shall dedicate to the Lord your God. You shall do no work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You shall eat it, you and your household, before the Lord your God, year by year, at the place the Lord will choose. But if it is any blemish, if it is lame or blind or has any serious blemish, whatever, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 26. You shall take some of the first of the fruit of the ground, which you shall harvest from your land that the Lord your God has given you. And you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And we're told that the offerings are made in due time, and it may be the Sabbath that they were looking at. So the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. The Bible doesn't give us any specific reason for this. We're told that Abel brought the firstborn of a flock with its fat portions, which is consistent with God's instructions. Now, we don't know whether Cain didn't bring the best, whether he kept the best for himself and brought the second best, nor do we know if the offering that Cain brought was prepared properly. The issue may have been the attitude with which the offerings were made. But regardless of the reason, we know that Cain's offering isn't accepted or regarded worthy by the Lord. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And while we're focusing on Abel, it is worth noting that the Lord tells Cain that he can change his ways. And he warns him that sin is right there at the door and he needs to address it. God gives everyone the chance to turn away from sin and to turn to him. Cain, however, ignores God's warning and guidance and goes his own way. Then in verse 8 we read, Cain speaks to Abel, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. We aren't provided too many of the details. Tradition has it that Abel brought this on himself. I can't say that I'm in that camp myself. Now, if you have a sibling, a brother or sister, you probably had times that you were incredibly close, right? And you probably had times where you didn't get along and maybe you quarreled a little bit. 
maybe there was a time it was so bad you just wish that you know, they weren't there at all. And of course, it's because they, not we, were the problem, right? Maybe not. But it would be so much easier if they just did what they're supposed to do. Just out of curiosity, anyone here have uh, never fought or argued with their sibling? No? Okay. Let's say if you, if anyone wanted to say that, uh, are you an only child, or that, or you're really good? Wow. The Bible shows the reason Cain killed his brother. It's because of his attitudes and his behavior. He was hard-hearted and jealous that God accepted Abel's offering and not his. The next verses in Genesis 4 give us a glimpse of Cain's attitude. And he chooses to play the blame game instead of acknowledging and taking responsibility for his own actions. Now, we know that Adam and Eve must have had a whole bunch of other children who just aren't named in the Bible. We do know the name of another of Abel's brothers, though. In Genesis 4 and 25, we read that Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. In verse 10, we read, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. He didn't realize it, but Cain made Abel the first martyr for the Lord. This isn't the last time we read about Abel, though. God uses Abel as an example for us to follow as he reveals himself, his love, and his plan for mankind. In Matthew 23, uh, the subtitle of that one in my Bible says, Seven Woes to the Scribes and Pharisees. We learn that Jesus was chasing the scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, he tells them. And he calls them hypocrites. Not just once, but five times. He calls them blind guides. He calls them serpents and shows them how their religious activities completely miss the point of what God wants from them. Things like justice, mercy, faithfulness. Things that come from having a heart that is just like God. Matthew 24, 33-35 You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, who you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. And we see a similar story and message in Luke chapter 11. The Gospels also tell us that Jesus told his disciples he was going to be handed over to the Gentiles, that he would be killed, and on the third day he would rise again. We're told how Jesus agonized over this in the Garden of Gethsemane, and yet he chose to follow his father's will. The Bible shows us that Jesus' words were accurate, and the Bible describes how he was insulted, how he was beaten, crucified, 
and rose again. Abel offered the first, the first of his flock, and we can assume that they were the best he had to offer. His sacrifice, though, was just a copy or a shadow of what is to come. In John 3:16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It just never ceases to amaze me how the God who created everything here, the God who holds everything in the palm of his hand, could create and love ones as tiny and insignificant as us. And to love us so much and to have a plan for us and care for us that he sent his son for our sake. It's just mind-boggling. Jesus was the ultimate and perfect sacrifice. He was the fulfillment of the law and the prophecies. He died and rose again so we can have forgiveness of our sin in a relationship with God through him. And if there's anyone here who's never come to that realization of just how much God loves you and that he gave his life up for you, I hope and I pray that this would be the day that you acknowledge your sin, the fact that all of us have fallen short of God's standard of perfection. And put your faith and trust in Jesus. He himself said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one could go to the Father except through Jesus. So none of those small G gods are going to work. Can't work your way there. It's only through faith and trust in Jesus. The next references to Abel are found in the book of Hebrews. Now, if you were with us for that study, you may recall that the book focuses on the fact that Jesus is greater. He's superior. He's far above anything or anyone. Right? A key part of the message was to encourage people to stay close to Jesus and persevere through difficult circumstances that they were going through. And we reflected on some of that just in the music this morning. I don't know what challenges and what trials everyone here is going through, but rest assured, God is there. He knows and he cares. And as we've thought about in some of the songs, that we can be fearless in his presence in his love because he's there with us. He's there through the storms. Hebrews 10.36 says, You need to persevere so when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
Interestingly, Abel is the first person mentioned in chapter 11 of Hebrews. We tend to call that hall of faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though he was commended as righteous. Sorry, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. God's acceptance of Abel's sacrifice shows that God accepts Abel. The story of his faith still speaks to people through the words in the Bible. It shows that Abel and others in the Old Testament were saved through faith, not through following religious practices. Hebrews 12:22. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, into innumerable angels and festal gatherings, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So in the Genesis account we read earlier that the Lord told Cain, the blood, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. In other words, his blood is calling for vengeance. The blood that Jesus shed doesn't bring vengeance, it brings forgiveness. The priests were required to sprinkle blood on the altar, for example, to purify it for for use. Jesus didn't have to go through that ritual. His blood only needed to be shed once and for all. While Abel's sacrifice was required by and accepted by God, it pales in comparison to the one Jesus made. To sum up the passages so far, we see that Abel made an offering to God of the firstborn of the animals and the fat portions. His offering was accepted by God, and his brother Cain, though, was upset that his wasn't, and he kills Abel, whose blood cries out from the ground. Jesus himself commends Abel and refers to him as righteous, and notes that the religious leaders are responsible for Abel's blood. We see from Hebrews that Abel's sacrifice, while accepted by God, was just a type or a shadow of the one made by Jesus. The final reference we see to Abel is found in 1 John 3, 11 and 12. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the e- who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Again, we see the reference to Abel's deeds being righteous. And while the Bible doesn't tell us about Abel's faults, we do know that the only perfect human to ever walk the earth was Jesus. Abel's deeds were considered righteous because of the faith that he had in God. We will all come face to face with the Lord one day, and the question is whether we're going to be judged to be like Cain, or if we're going to be judged to be like Abel. And if it's the latter, there is no condemnation. 1 John 3 tells us that our faith, or our trust, will be evidenced by our behavior. We noted in Hebrews chapter 10, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure 
in the one who shrinks back. As Jesus noted, people will be known by the fruit they produce. We are to practice righteousness and we are to love each other. Our lives should reflect the fact that we are new creations in Christ and that we are continually be transformed to be more and more like him every day in our attitudes and in our behaviors. Some ways to do this include praying. And if you're not sure about that, you can go back on the web. Uh, We just had four sessions on prayer. Studying God's Word. Seeking guidance from His Holy Spirit. And by just going forward in faith, one step at a time. I'm going to have a double benediction at the end of this. Just reading from Paul's prayer to the Ephesians in chapter 3. And this is for all of us. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to immeasurably to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Be dismissed with his blessings and may his face shine upon you. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.